Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Agyanatsmarandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Chakshura Militam Yena Tazmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manovishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dadati Swapadantikam Vanchakalpa Tarubyas Chakripasandubyevacha Patita nam pavane bio vaishnavi bio namunamaha. Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nityananda, Shri Advaita Gadadhar, Shri Vasadi Gaur Bhaktavrinda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So we are on text 31. We read the translation, I think, last time, but I said, no, let's, it's such an important purport, let's just wait until next week and keep you on the edge of your seat about what's going to happen. The order carriers of Yamaraj were snatching <coughs> excuse me, the soul from the core of the heart of Ajamila. Actually, I, I keep on saying Ajamil, but it's actually Ajamila, right? Long, second A is long, Ajamila. The husband of the prostitute. But with resounding voices, the messengers of Lord Vishnu, the Vishnu Dutas, forbade them to do so. Prabhupada writes in the purport that the order carriers of Yamaraj had jurisdiction over all, have, have jurisdiction over all sinful living entities, but the messengers of Lord Vishnu, the Vishnu Dutas, are capable of punishing anyone, including Yamaraj, if he wrongs a Vaishnava. And a little later, Prabhupada writes, the super soul is said to be friendly because the Supreme Personality of Godhead is so kind to the original soul that when the original soul transmigrates from one body to another, the Lord goes with him. Okay, so let's look. These are two separate points that uh, Prabhupada is making here. Um, the first one is... Don't mess around with Vaishnavas. <laughs> That's, I think, uh, the purport. Don't offend devotees because the Yamadudas are so powerful, but those who are representing Vishnu are more powerful. And they're, if, they're, you know, if, if there's a force more powerful than the Yamadudas that correct and chastise those who are protecting the Vaishnavas, then that's one of our fears in life is to not offend uh, Vaishnavas. Because then when then we get into, uh, you know, so so Vishnu Dudas are capable of punishing anyone, including Yamaraj. And he's a Mahajana, right? He's one of the 12 great authorities. If he wrongs a Vaishnava. So the... The lesson there for us is don't wrong Vaishnavas. And then the second point, the super soul is said to be friendly because the Supreme Personality of God is so kind. So imagine Prabhupada is writing with, he's like, we read these with theoretically and try to have them enter our hearts so that we can get, we get some realization at least. But this, the Prabhupada being a realized soul, when he says someone is kind, he actually has realization of that. So for him, it's an amazing point that the super soul 
is so friendly and kind that he transmigrates uh, with the living entity. And that's like this huge act of kindness by the Lord. So I thought those were two important points about uh, about uh, not wronging Vaishnavas and the kindness of the Lord. So some thoughts on that, on either of those two points. You're all quiet today. Okay, we can move on if you like. But there's something to keep in mind that... Uh, just just think, okay, I'm going to die one day, and I may not go back to God in this life, but Krishna is so kind, he's going to accompany me. You know, even accompanying is a, uh, it's a classy thing to do, right? Just like uh, I, many of us, and I'm thinking of Henry, he's on the call, and he'll have this realization. You go to a really good hotel, and if you ask one of the workers, anybody, the the bellhop or, or the person clean, you know, polishing the brass and you say, you know, where is, uh, you know, where is meeting room five and a really good hotel, they accompany you to, they don't just say, they don't just point it. Oh, it's over there someplace, you know, and you go, you make a left and a right then a left and a right. They actually are trained to walk with you and accompany you to, to that place. Uh, so that, that's just an act of, that's a high-class act of kindness. Am I right, Henry? You're muted. You're right, yes. You're 100% right. Um, you know, um, I, I was just visiting a friend yesterday, and, we, you know, we sat in his backyard about 12 feet apart, and he's an old, old friend um, from an old Washington family. Anyway, when it was time for me to leave, he insisted on walking me to my car. Yes, Yes, and that is the that is also a Vedic thing, by the way, um, that you you accompany the visitor to the edge of the village, and so I can tell you a funny and somewhat embarrassing uh, thing that happened to me in this regard. Since you brought it up, Henry, um, I was with a group of devotees, um, Shesha Prabhu and one other devotee, and we flew. We were at that time doing some trying to do some important service in the field of education. And we flew to, um, well, I, won't, I won't even mention his name, but a very senior devotee who has, who had some, has some money. And so we, we pitched, we made our pitch, and he, he agreed to a donation. Very, very cultured devotee, very cultured devotee. And so we left his house, and we walked towards our rent-a-car, and we got into the car, and we, you know, even Shesha was a very... Um, sober and quiet devotee, we kind of did a little, yay, yay, you know, like that, not realizing that this devotee had accompanied us to the car and was looking at us in a real funny thing, like, why? why yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yes, that's the culture. So, what to speak of accompanying someone to their next life? What to speak of that, right? Yeah, and Suganda quotes here, uh, the pure devotee is always within the core of my heart and I am always within the heart of the pure devotees. My devotees do not know anything else but me and I do not know anything else but them. Yes, thank you for that. So this accompanying is a, uh, it's a, class, it's a class act and of course Krishna is the classiest act. Some other thoughts on this? Okay. 
So we can continue then, if you like. The next verse, verse 32. When the order carriers of Yamaraj, the, the son of the sun god, were thus forbidden, they replied, Who are you, sirs, that have the audacity to challenge the jurisdiction of Yamaraj? Dear sirs, whose servants are you? Where have you come from? And why are you forbidding us to touch the body of Ajamila? Are, are you demigods from the heavenly planets? Are you sub-demigods? Are you the best of devotees? So I thought before reading the purport, let's, let's try to put ourselves in the Yamadutas shoes. Um, I mean, I don't know how old they are and for how many weeks, months, years, kalpas, they've been doing this service. But can you imagine you're doing something, you're doing something, you're doing something, and, 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 and your boss is saying you're doing a great job, right? Yamaraj is saying you're doing a great job, you got it right, and you've got it down, right? You, you, you checked everybody's history and you say, this person belongs with Yamaraj, right? And you got it right every time. It's like clockwork, right? And then all of a sudden, one day, maybe you've been doing it for a thousand years. Who knows how long they live? You've been doing this for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden, boom, somebody, uh, or in this case, a group says, whoa, you got it all wrong. So imagine doing that, right? Let's say, you know, even at your work, maybe you've been working your job for five or 10 years and, and you're getting really, you know, great performance appraisals and, and and, you know, every time, you, you know what you're doing. You've been doing this forever. And you're doing another task that you've been doing all along. And it seems like it's absolutely no problem. And then somebody comes along and says, Raghunandan, you're doing it all wrong. You're like, who, you know, who the heck are you? <laughs> Get a life, right? You know, I, I got this. I've been doing this forever, right? So that's part of it. And also... We, we know, you know, you study any literature and one of the hardest things in life and at work is change. So, the, you know, they're asking us, they're asking, the, the Vishnu Dutas are asking the Yamadutas to take a, a, to reconsider this and to consider, you know, the, uh, the changes. And it, it's, it's a big thing. It's a big thing. If we, if we put ourselves in the Yamadutas, um, you know, shoes and consider their, their mindset, right? It's not, it's not so simple. Any thoughts on that before we go into the purport? You know, I think once I heard, I, I, you know, I might be wrong, but I think once I heard Radhanath Swami lecturing about this, and he had said that there, in this particular case, um, there were two Yamadudas and three Vishnu Dudas, and that was and actually the Yamadudas are so powerful that actually it was important that there were three Vishnu Dudas. So there wasn't <laughs> That's interesting. interesting. Thank you for that. Yeah. Uh Mantra, were you gonna say something? Or are you just looking at your I'm trying to unmute you. That's what I thought. <laughs> yes. so, um like when you adore and admire someone uh, for their qualities, for their, their dedication, and uh, put your life uh, for them. And then someone else comes and says, no, you know, he is not like what you think. Right. <laughs> it's devastating, actually. That's right. That's we right. go into a fighting mode and then, you know, like... Uh, 
it's very disturbing. Uh, very good point. And, and, and the Yamadudas, in the purport, it says that the Yamadudas knew Yamaraj was a Siddha Sattama. Right? They knew he was a great, great devotee, uh, a great soul. And, and we know that he's one of the 12 Mahajanas. Yes. That, so that you're right. That, that's, that uh, exasperates the situation even more because they're thinking, you know, we, you know, it's not that even that we've been doing this job for so long, we always get it right. Our boss is this great, great soul, and he's always praising our work. Yeah. So who are you? You know, you know, who are you guys? At the same time, they were appreciating. They were so beautiful. Yes. They were so effulgent. Yeah. And they looked so powerful. So it was, you know, just if we, again, if we put ourselves in the Yamadudas' shoes, it was a very bewildering situation for them. Yes, for <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't a walk in the park. <laughs> and on top of that, they were doing the right thing too, because they were trying to come and grab a sinful personality. We yeah. had done lots of sinful actions, and they were thinking, "I'm doing the right thing by coming and grabbing this soul and taking them, taking this soul to the uh, hellish planets." And they are being stopped from doing their task. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I got my we 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 studied, you know, in the Gita, Karma Nevari Karaste, Mafaleshu. You know, you have a you have a right to do your duty. They were doing their duty. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's carry on here. At the present moment, Prabhupada writes, practically everyone is unaware of this fact that we are that we are not this body. But one who understands this has attained perfection and is therefore called a siddha. When one understands that the soul is part and parcel of the supreme soul, okay, so, so here's the, in this simple couple of sentences, Prabhupada's giving us some inkling of the different levels of, of spiritual realization. So the first one is you're not your body, and that's a kind of perfection. And then he says, when the soul understands they're part and parcel of the supreme soul, that's another level of perfection. And then when one engages in bhakti in the devotional service of the supreme soul, then one become one becomes siddha sattama. Right? Um, and Yamaraj was one of those siddha sattama. So it's so I, I just like that point, you know, Prabhupada in just a couple of sentences can show, you know, the different gradations um, of siddhas of great souls. Also important, interesting to point out that Yamaraj was not dead yet. Prabhupada writes that in the uh, in the purport. So, any thoughts uh, on those points in the purport before we go on? From the any of you Siddha Sattamas? And I feel very honored. If I'm, this is a, an assumption, but I'm assuming that. Uh, Harvey is a Haridas Prabhu, so we're so blessed to have a senior devotee with us. Hare Krishna. <laughs> and he just disappeared. <laughs> Maybe it was a different Harvey. <laughs> oh, there he is. Hare Bhav Prabhu. Thank you. It is him. Thank you so much for giving us your association. And please feel free to share your realizations at any time. So we are on the next verses, which are also verses, I believe, that I asked you to read. Yes, 34 to 36. The order carriers of Yamaraj said, so this is their appreciation, your eyes are just like the petals of a lotus flower, dressed in yellow silken garden uh, garments, decorated with garlands of lotuses, and wearing very attractive helmets on your heads and earrings on your ears. 
You all appear fresh and youthful. Your four long arms are decorated with bows and quivers of arrows and with swords, clubs, conch shells, discs, and lotus flowers. Your effulgence has dissipated the darkness of this place with extraordinary um, illumination. Now, sirs, why are you obstructing us? So, you know, it's a, you're kind of experiencing some cognitive dissonance that they're doing everything right. Why are they, why are you stopping us? And obviously you're great, great souls. So in the first sentence, Prabhupada writes that before even being introduced to a foreigner, one becomes acquainted with him through his dress, bodily features, and behavior, and can thus understand his position. So let's just focus on that for a second. One time Prabhupada told a devotee named Parta Prabhu, he said, first dress, then address. And I've always tried to take, I haven't been great at that, but uh, I think it's important that, that we, especially, of course, when we're representing Krishna, uh, that we dress nicely, that we dress appropriately. And again, I'm laughing, I'm looking at Henry. He would, if he ever saw me with uh, blue jeans on, he basically, just by his glance, I would have to go back inside the house and put on some dress pants or something, khakis or something. But it, it's uh, not that we have to, you know, be lavish, but cleanliness is important, of course. And so our clothes should be, you know, neat and clean. And also just uh, dress, I would always say, I always try to think, dress appropriately and a little above appropriately. Not like, you know, wearing a tuxedo to a, uh, you know, to a uh, birthday party. But, uh, but you know, people, the first impression we, we hear, first impression is lasting impressions, right? So he's probably saying here that when you're introduced to someone you don't know, uh, you, you look at their dress, you look at their bodily features and their behavior, and you can understand a lot about them. So we want to make good first impressions. And of course, especially when we're representing Srila Prabhupada and, and his, uh, his, his society. But, but even as a general rule, I think it's a nice thing. And we, we, we learn that at least in, in communicating um, emotions, this is a very old study from 50 years ago, but I don't think the numbers may have changed a bit, but I don't think the general principle has changed that, only 7% of those communicating emotions are the words we choose, um, 38% being the tone of our voice and 55% being our body language. Our body speaks so much. And we see that body language is powerful. Uh, when Lord Chaitanya wanted to tell Sanatana Goswami that that very expensive uh, shawl or chudder that he had on was not appropriate for a renunciate, Lord Chaitanya didn't say anything to him. He just looked at him with a certain look. And Sanatana Goswami got the message, right? And he, you know, and then that wonderful pastime where he went to the river and he saw this poor mendicant with a very ripped up shawl and uh, he traded it with him, even though the, the, the mendicant was shocked. No, you're just pulling my leg, you know, but he wasn't. So that's also... Uh, even according to dress. So we just said how we should dress nicely. But in, a, you know, 500 years ago, when Sanatana Goswami was a mendicant, he, he wasn't dressing appropriately. 
So in that case, taking the less attractive shawl was appropriate. In our case, in general, that's not, um, not the right idea. So before we go on to the next part of the paragraph, any thoughts on that? It's a simple point, but it's, uh, and it's something we probably don't talk a lot about, but, uh, you know, cleanliness and, and, you know, Prabhupada would, uh, he, he didn't have anything again. He, he would, he would, you know, say a gentleman's, uh, he liked what devotees look like gentlemen. You know, he had the, there's a beautiful picture in Vrindavan of the devotees in the Bhaktivedanta Institute in suits and ties. So this is Vrindavan, right? And they're wearing suits and ties because they're at, uh, they, they doing the BI conference, uh, just a few hundred yards away, um, at the, uh, Institute there. And you have Brahmatirtha Prabhu there in Thai and, uh, Sadaputta Prabhu and Madhva Prabhu and Gana, Gana Prabhu. Um, and he appreciated a, a clean cut. He didn't appreciate very much the hippie thing. You know, remember, you know, that, that famous, uh, uh, Swamiji, what is a hippie? You know better than me. Something extraordinary, <laughs> he said. But, uh, and at one time he said, uh, uh, what did he say? You can go to work, pants, shirt, tie, and tilak. <laughs> and then he told um, Peter Burwash, you can use water tilak. And you see, if you have anyone's ever spent some time with Peter Burwash, every morning he puts on water tilak. He follows that instruction. So that you're wearing tilak, it's, it's just not visible. It's just not maybe practical sometimes when you're going to work. So all of us who are going to work are going on Zoom calls at work. We can start doing that. We can start wearing our water tilak. Um, yeah. So anything else on this? Hi, Krishna Prabhu. Please accept my humble obeisances. Yes, Shakshi. Sounds um, like you. So, yeah, basically, when you refer to the dress, it's not only here, uh, even in the Tamil literatures, uh, it was one of the uh, reference that say they're 50% body and 50% dress. You know, that's, that's something that that's what they refer. And then my realization is like that gives you a special energy that like confidence and then like, you know, uh, so much amount of like enthusiasm or to do your work properly, whatever appropriate dress really uh, makes a big difference. That's what yes. I mean. Yes, and again, I'm thinking of Henry a little bit because he's very particular about this. So I remember sometimes when I would um, I would drive to his house and then he would drive me the rest of the way to work. And if my tie wasn't matching my outfit, my wife would, oh, you can't go like that. Henry will not approve. <laughs> so, so, yes, it's, 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 it's a small thing, but it's something we don't talk about a lot, so I thought I would highlight it. Um, Prabhu, yes. uh, actually, it, uh, it matters only to the material platform, right? The dress is something just only for the cosmetic purpose. But like, if you are really pure devotee, everything is in your heart. You are uh, you are completely uh, attracted by other people. Is it true, Prabhuji? Yes, and why not do both? It's not either or, right? And uh, just like you saw, I saw, I was very impressed when um, I mean, it was very sad that uh, that. Gopal Krishnamaraj was going to the hospital. Um, now he's out of the hospital, but but you saw how he was dressed so paka to go to the hospital, you know, in his, you know, you know, yeah. So 
but the point is we are we one of our main missions is to share Krishna consciousness with others. And before we open our mouth, people will look at what we look like and our mannerisms. So it it, it has an yeah, of course, um what's in the heart is the most important thing, but uh the we 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 take every precaution or every advantage to try to um share Krishna consciousness with others. And if that means dressing to the T, we, we do that. And if it means dressing down, we do that. We're not attached to the dress. We're attached to um, sharing Krishna consciousness. But you're right also, Shakshi, that uh, you do feel a little confidence uh, when you are dressed nicely. Yeah. Okay, so the second part of the purport, um, not second part, but the second part that I wanted to read, Prabhupada writes that they do not know that although he was sinful throughout his entire life, he was purified by constantly chanting the holy name of Narayan. In other words, now this is a very interesting sentence. Unless one is a Vaishnava, one cannot understand the activities of a Vaishnava. Mm. So a lot of things you could say about that statement, isn't it? Uh, for one, we, we, we have that saying, it takes one to know one. Mm. Right? And that we, that, that it, Prabhupada is indicating here that it takes some vision. It takes the, you know, do you have, do we have the eyes to see? Right? I remember one time a devotee asked in a class to a senior devotee that, um, sometimes Prabhupada would, uh, not quote the verse exactly right. We all know, for example, he would say, uh, Instead of Guru Krishna Prasade Bhai, he says Guru Krishna Kripaya Bhai. It means the same. Prasad and Kripa mean the same basic thing, right? Or he might say, what's that verse? And this devotee says, why? If Prabhupada's a pure devotee, why do you, you know, why does he do that? So that, so that's not the right eyes. We're not, you know, we, we don't, uh, even there was a wonderful discussion with Prabhupada Jayadvaita Swami on this point. And, and Prabhupada, Said so it's not that you know I I know everything about plumbing or that I know what Krishna wants me to know, right? And there's nothing you know, and so it takes some understanding of what a pure devotee is or what a devotee is to appreciate their activities. Actually, this was the old days in ISKCON, and uh, this senior devotee, this devotee was wearing he was he was a chasma wala. He was wearing glasses, and this devotee said. You have Coke bottles for eyeglasses and you're trying to see the pure devotee. <laughs> Got a little heavy with him. But, <laughs> but the point is that that's another aspect, right? It takes one to know one or we need the eyes to see. Um, and if we make assumptions based only on looking at things, um, through our limited worldview, right? Then, um, that that's that's what that's what's often happening when uh, someone who's not a devotee or not on the level of a more advanced devotee tries to uh, you know speculate or assume things about about just like there's that statement that if you see Lord Nityananda walk into a liquor store, um, don't make the assumption he's going there to buy you know Jack Daniels. Uh, make the assumption that he's going there to share Krishna consciousness with somebody there, right? Um, so. 
it's not, and, and on another level, it's not easy to always appreciate the power of bhakti. It works on the heart of the soul. And, and so that's sometimes beyond the perception of our external senses, often. I mean, there's external um, symptoms of a great devotee, and Rupa Goswami discusses this in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Uh, Sadhanama Ruchi has, a, he's always chanting the holy name with taste. Avyakta Kalatvam doesn't waste a moment outside of Krishna's service. There's, I think, nine that are listed there. But still, as Prabhupada said, it's not so easy. It's, uh, in other words, unless one is a Vaishnava, one cannot understand the activities of a Vaishnava. And, that, and I think that that applies to a lot of things in life that, uh, or at least in, unless one takes the makes the endeavor to empathize and to try to see the world through another person's eyes. They won't all, we won't always understand someone else. Uh, the Native Americans say, you know, walk a mile in another person's moccasins. So that's on that level. And then on the Vaishnava level, it's, it's, it's without um, being on the, le- the same level of that Vaishnava, and therefore, without asking them, oh, could you un- help me understand why you did this or wh- why you act in that way? Without doing that, we may make assumptions. And that's something that we, uh, we want to be careful about. So this, I thought, you know, I, sometimes I find a sentence that, you know, we could unpack that for an hour, right? One can, uh, unless one is a Vaishnava, one cannot understand the activities of a Vaishnava. And there's also a verse, um, Madhulila, I remember the verse number, but not the chapter, verse 39. Um, but, but Vaishnava Kriya Mudra, that it's, it's, it's not easy to understand the mind of a Vaishnava. And therefore, we pray, like I did at the beginning of this class, Sri Chaitanya Manobishtam, uh, that Rupa Goswami has understand, understood the mind and the desire of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So we pray to him for that, some glimpse of that understanding. So, what do you all think about this? Uh, Suganda uh, has, yeah, yes, I was right, 39. Uh, even the most learned man cannot understand the words, activities, and symptoms of a person situated in love of Godhead. Yes, beautiful. And even some people write, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, had um, bouts of epilepsy. And we, of course, know that wasn't epilepsy. It was, it was extreme experiences of Mahabhava, of the highest love. And there's a pastime of, yes, yes, of Gadadhar Pandit uh, visiting Pundarik Vidyanidhi. And um, not, not, you know, who is this? Why was I told to go take shelter of this person? He's just like a dollars and cents man. So some thoughts on this? I think I told the story of uh, the first, my first exchange with Buri John Prabhu, didn't I? Didn't I tell you that story? No, Prabhu. So, uh, <laughs> I was a young brahmachari. It was 1982. Been a devotee five years or so. And I didn't know who Buri John Prabhu was. Right? So, if I was a Sankirtan leader. So, I had my tray with prasadam on it and I sat next to him at one of the tables in Detroit. And I just said, oh, Prabhu, Hare Krishna, what's your name? He said, oh, Burijan Das. I said, oh, Hare Krishna, my name is such and such. 
And I said, what's your service? And he said, he's a teacher. And I said, well, do you go on Sangratan? <laughs> do you go on book distribution? And he said, no, I'm a, I'm a teacher. I said, but Prabhupada said that everyone should join the Sangratan party as soon as possible. This is Maya. This, you know, this is how we, this was the kind of kata we would have at Prashadam sometimes in the earlier days. I said, this is total Maya. This is nonsense. And, you know, he just picked up his tray and walked to another table without saying anything. And then later, you know, I find out that he, you know, joined in 26-second Avenue and he's one of Prabhupada's early disciples and he's, you know, <laughs> and I know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's a little, yeah. So, and later, who would know? Later I would take initiation from him. <laughs> the first time I met him, I got on his case. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we have, to, we should be, um, mindful that we may not always be able to even we see somebody doing something wrong they may be doing it for a reason that we don't understand right and uh so it's better to be curious than immediately go for the prabhu what's 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 the matter with you program some thoughts on this other thoughts uh it also reminded me uh that particular verse from chaitanya charita amrita uh we have a structured way of reading, studying uh, scriptures like Bhagavad Gita first and then sequentially reading Srimad Bhagavatam and then Chaitanya Charita Amrita because there are so many uh, different activities and pastimes of these personalities that are being described and it, it ties in exactly with that Madhya Leela verse uh, that you were mentioning about because cannot understand the words and activities and their behavior and we might form some misconceptions or misunderstandings if we are not understanding them properly. Yes. And that doesn't mean that we, um, I think I told you that I was having this discussion with my son a while ago and he was talking about community building and, and how important trust is that if you really want to have a, whether it's a Namhata group or a temple or or family or whatever, trust is so important. And then he kind of surprised me when he said, I think Pitta, I think there's something above trust. Trust is necessary, but not sufficient. And he was saying, and he used this word, but let's, uh, you know, uh, disruption. And what he meant by that is if everyone in a community <clears throat> feels it's their responsibility, that other people going back to Godhead is, is their responsibility that if they see someone doing something that isn't helpful to their Krishna consciousness, they don't just say, oh, well, I won't disturb, you know, we'll go up to them and disturb them, and obviously in a nice way, and the trust is necessary to do that. But if you really have high trust for someone, and then they point things out, um, there's great appreciation, and, and it gives you the opportunity to improve. So so there is a bit of that fine line to just say, well, Vaishnava Kriya Mudra, I can't understand the mind of, uh, of um, you know, uh, uh, so-and-so when they, um, I don't know, whatever, uh, start, uh, you know, going to the casino every Saturday <laughs> or whatever, you know, I'm just thinking of something on the top of my head. Um, so there, there is, the, I, I, there's just that other side to it that we don't just, you know, kind of like, 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 for example, there was a, there was the time when, um, there was a whole thing. I don't know how many of you are familiar with it, but, uh, 
when they, they, there was there was someone serving chicken to Shishi Radha, Madonna, uh, Radha Govinda in New York. Many this is during Prabhupada's time, and it was interesting. Okay. Prabhupada chastised the senior devotees. Why didn't you know? Why did you know? You are my older disciples. You should know better. And he he didn't chastise. He even praised the younger devotees for just going along with their service because they were just you know going on. So, so my point is, we, you know, yes, we, we, that's why we're curious. And we say, why are you doing that? If the body says, well, actually, well, uh, I'm gambling. Well, then, that, then that's the time to say, well, you know, do you think that's the best thing to do? Uh, or they say, well, actually, you know, my mother works there and I bring her prasadam every Saturday. That's right. So, you know, I just wanted to bring that balance a little bit. Other thoughts? Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. So I'm just thinking of the simple concept of projection, uh, of how we all, you know, uh, conditioned souls, human beings, we just have this very natural and strong tendency to uh, deny in ourselves the qualities that we perceive negatively. And we tend to just transfer those to others, you know, to our, uh, you know, the rejected parts of ourselves or the disliked or, you know, less liked parts of ourselves. We just tend to project on others. And, and that way, you know, how we can remain unconscious about those parts and continue and attribute them to others. And how this whole thing actually plays itself in how we see others, you know, like... Yeah, it's such a strong tendency in all of us. I mean, yeah. myself, <laughs> not going to speak about others, but well, it is such a strong thing. We don't see, we don't always see things as they are. We see things as we are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I will ask if Hari Das Prabhu has anything to add to that since this is his profession. And in the meantime... Oh, I have one. Yes, go ahead, Mahalan Prabhu. Uh, but uh, like I really liked uh, what Gopinath told that comes from the compassion to the soul. But in my case, like the m- mistakes or shortcomings pointed by Vaishnavas, they gave an opportunity to work on myself. Mm. Yes. Otherwise, it was pretty hard to even acknowledge that I have those. Yeah. Uh, but then there is truth and then like I really, I always, I quote in our Bhagavatam classes uh, morning that once I witnessed Mother Anandurundan Mataji, uh, she she just walked in, we were washing parts and uh, one devotee all of a sudden flared up on her and she just smiled, nodded. And uh, just walked away. And then I asked, Mother, you know you are not at fault, but why did you just, why did you just simply walk away, you know, even without protest? What Mother told was very amazing. I always think, you know, is there some truth to it? If so, how do I address it? Uh, that was very touching for me, actually. It opened a different paradigm. Thank so, you. Remind her of that when I get on her case next time. <laughs> no, but thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Other thoughts? 
Okay, then let's uh, let's carry on. We're going up to verse uh, 47. We're going to read a lot of verses now. Okay. Sukadev Goswami continued, being thus addressed by the mess- messenger of Yamaraj, the servants of Vasudev smiled and spoke the following words in voices as deep as the sound of rumbling clouds. Don't you wish you could have heard their voices? Voices as deep as the sound of rumbling clouds. I just love when the Bhagavatam uses uh, these analogies and metaphors. I'm not sure if they're analogies or metaphors. That's why I mentioned both. The blessed messengers of Lord Vishnu, the Vishnu Duda said, if you are actually servants of Yamaraj, you must explain to us the meaning of religious principles and the symptoms of irreligion. And Prabhupada just mentions in the purport, the devotees of ISKCON must therefore be fully aware of the mission of Krishna and Lord Chaitanya. Otherwise, they will be considered foolish. So we do need to know, just like he's asking, well, if, you, if, you're, if you're representing Yamaraj, then speak about Dharma. What is the process of punishing others? Who are the actual candidates for punishment? Are all karmis engaged in fruitive activities punishable or only some of them? Yamadutas reply. So this is um, a new section. So we're going to hear the, Yama, the Yamadutas explanation of principles of religion. And it's while we're listening to this, understand that there's definitely a lot of truth to what they're saying. And at the same time, to some extent, the Vishnu Dudas are going to later reject that by almost like the first chapter and second chapter of the Gita by bringing it to a higher level. And in this case, the highest level, the power of the holy name. Okay, so just to keep that in mind, these may be general rules, but don't apply when we're talking about more powerful things like bhakti. So the Yamadudas replied, that which is prescribed in the Vedas constitutes dharma, the religious principles, and the opposite of that is irreligion. The Vedas are directly the supreme personality of God in Narayan and are self-born. This we have heard from Yamaraj. The supreme cause of all causes, Narayana, is situated in his own abode in the spiritual world, but nevertheless he controls the entire cosmic manifestation according to the three modes of material nature, Sattva-guna, Rajoguna, and Tamaguna. In this way, all living entities are awarded different qualities, different names, such as Brahmanas, Chatris, and Vaishas, different duties according to the Varnashram institution, <laughs> and different forms. Thus, Narayana is the cause of the entire cosmic manifestation. The sun, fire, sky, air, these are all the witnesses, right? Demigods, moon, evening, day, night, directions, water, land, and the supersoul himself all witness the activities of the living entity. The candidates for punishment are those who are confirmed by these many witnesses to have deviated from their prescribed regulative duties. Everyone engaged in fruitive activities is suitable to be subjected to punishment according to his sinful acts. O inhabitants of Vaikuntha, you are sinless, but those within the material world are all karmis, whether acting piously or impiously. So they're basically saying, you guys, you are all these good guys, and you don't understand these bad guys like we do. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of like what he's saying. You come from the good side of town, and so you can't understand what it's like to be here in the in the in the uh, in the rough part of town. Both kinds of action are possible for them because they are contaminated by the three modes of material nature and must act accordingly. One who has accepted a material body cannot be inactive. Right? We, we learned that from the Gita also, right? The sinful action and sinful action is inevitable for one acting under the modes of material nature. Therefore, all living entities from the material world are punishable. In proportion... To the extent of one's religious or irreligious actions in this life, one must enjoy or suffer the corresponding reactions of his karma in the next. O best of the demigods, we can see three different varieties of life, which are due to the contamination of the three modes of material nature. The living entities are thus known as peaceful, restless, and foolish. And that's clearly right, goodness, passion, and ignorance. As happy, unhappy, or in between as religious, irreligious, or semi-religious. We can deduce that in the next life, these three kinds of material nature will similarly act. Just as, and this is a verse we were studying, just as springtime in the present indicates nature of springtimes in the past and future, another beautiful analogy. So this life of happiness, distress, or a mixture of both gives evidence concerning the religious and irreligious activities of one's past or future lives. Prabhupada writes in the purport, our past and future are not very difficult to understand. By the way, I hope you got the email that I sent you all from Chaitanya Charan Prabhu about trying to answer that question about uh, if we can't remember our past lives, how do we um, learn right, um, from our karma. Um, I, I haven't had a chance to read or listen to it, but uh, I, I, I was on a uh, podcast or whatever it's called with him recently, so I asked him to send me whatever he had done on that subject. And I find his uh, explanations in general quite refreshing. Just remind, remind me who he is and why we should listen to him. <laughs> um, Chaitanya Charamprabhu has been to the temple a few times. Uh, he's the Indian body brahmachari who has polio, had polio, so he walks with those two um, crutches his whole life. Um, so maybe that maybe reminds you of who he is. And he's he's one of the devotees in India who really tries to um, explain things to a more, um, or let's, let's put it this way. He tries to, uh, give a modernity explanation to tradition. How's that sound? That's a nice way to put it, I think. And, and he's quite open-minded and, uh, a lovely person. Yeah. And he's done a lot of writing and a lot of, uh, yeah. So he does this, uh, what is it called? The monks. Something. Podcast. What is it? Podcast? Yeah. You've interviewed me a few times. And there, by the way, Ananda Rupa Devi or Jiva Tatra Prabhu have uh, put all about the author right there in the chat. Okay. So it just reminded me of that. So, because here it's saying, Prabhupada says, well, you can kind of figure it out. Okay. One's past and future are not very difficult to understand. For time is under the contamination of three modes of material nature. As soon as spring arrives, 
the usual exhibition of various types of fruits and flowers automatically become manifest. And therefore, we may conclude that spring in the past was adorned with similar fruits and flowers and will be so adorned in the future also. Just like we all know, right, today, I think it was 61 degrees here in D.C. So we all know, okay, it's starting to come. That's the first time I've seen such a low temperature in the morning, right? And we all know what that means, right? We all know the leaves are going to change in a while. And then, you know, and then the cold is going to come and, and because we've experienced it in the past. We also know that's probably what's going to happen next year around early September, right? So similarly, we can, you know, we learn something about uh, our past by looking in the mirror. Where were we born? Who were our parents? What was our social economic background? What is our, our, our level of education? How, 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 um, how strongly is passion influencing us most of the time? How strongly is ignorance? How strongly is goodness? We get some inkling by just uh, understanding the modes of material nature and then applying that to our situation today. And we can also look at our life and get some idea of where, where our next life is heading. Now, of course, as a devotee, it, it takes, that takes on a different, um, because then we're in the hands of Krishna and he can preserve what we have and carry what we lack if we're dedicated to him. And then the uh, Prematurangani Devi has put the uh, whole YouTube channel for um, Chaitanya Charanprabhu in the chat. And Prema Trangani has made the mistake of putting the podcast with me in the chat. So some thoughts on this? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes. These few verses by the Yamadutas is giving that uh, um, picture that they are just treating everything as black and white. If it's not black, it's white kind of an approach. <laughs> And they're saying, oh, yeah, we have been used to doing things like this. And every living being in the material world is performing sinful actions and they are liable to be punished. And, yeah, they understand under certain criteria, but they are not able to look at the at the higher picture, which they are going to be instructed upon by the Vishnu Dutas. Yeah. Yes. Um, Prabhu. <laughs> Before you go, Mama, just one thing about that is... Um, so they can't be that faulted because they didn't have that knowledge. But we understand from Prabhupada often that once we have the knowledge, we have a greater responsibility. Yes, go ahead, Mamantra. So I heard Chaitanya Charan Prabhu answering Mason student's question. Uh, so yes, every living entity comes with their karma. So is it okay to let them go through the suffering? that is due for us. So Prabhu answered it like, that's not the right thing. But what is my dharma is what we should think. How do we elevate and remove the suffering uh, to the living entities? Um, So I was just relating. So the advanced devotees, elevated personalities can understand um, Whatever we are going through is because of our 
previous activities they know you know through the shastra shakshus that they can understand to some extent you know where they are coming from uh so they give us the medicine in you know, like what to do when and the only thing is we need to surrender and uh, follow those instructions yes and i was hearing uh radhika ramanpur making the same point that um Yeah, we know people's karmas can change by by engaging in bhakti. Yes. You know, they have karma so steep and you have your navigate swap them up yes dharma set. That and um and we say you know you clap your hands in front of the deities and you the lot the lines of your hand change. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Other thoughts on this? Yes, Prabhu. Hi. Yes. So this verse you know they are talking about giving the example of spring time so pretty much it can be deduced what has happened in the past and very likely under the moods of nature what living entity can do in future i am thinking pretty much probably astrology works on this principle and uh, however you know uh, we have reference from bhagavad gita that uh, one who takes to the devotional service does not fall down under any circumstance uh, circumstances and at once transcends the modes of material nature and comes to spiritual platform probably it's chapter 14 so uh this verse uh, i'm thinking is material consciousness in material consciousness you know being under the grips of modes of nature it's very easy to understand and relate it to how astrology is also working and how living entity experiences the dualities at the same time it's very good to relate it to how one can transcend that also yes and that's why yes and that's why at the beginning i said these are you know this is yama tutu speaking from the by the way can you still hear me i switched to earphones you can hear me yes yeah okay um that's this is the yama dude is speaking on the level of dharma mm-hmm. and not necessarily on the level of bhakti yet we're getting to that <laughs> next few chapters but yes good very good point and of course we could talk about astrology all day long um and the the different takes on it um but <laughs> as probably was saying one time in 77 towards the end of his manifestation with us that okay you want to You want to consult astrology? Yes, yes. We, let's have some fun. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's there. And because we're not transcendental fully yet, uh, astrology may be consulted. Uh, many feel that it's not a bad idea to do that when uh, considering compatibility before marriage, for example. Um, things, things like that. uh because it is a science that that's it's a vedic science and at the same time probably would also question how many truly qualified astrologers are there in this yuga um so let us uh carry on and we are that was 47 now we're going up to 50 text 48 the omnipotent um yamaraj is as good as lord brahma for while situated in his own abode or in everyone's heart like the paramatma he mentally observes the past activities of a living entity and thus understands how the living entity 
will act in future lives. So basically saying, you don't understand. Our, our Yamaraj is so great. He's as good as Brahma. He can see everything all over the universe. <laughs> as a sleeping person acts according to the body manifested in his dreams and accepts it to be himself, so one identifies with his present body, which he acquired because of his past religious or irreligious actions and is unable to know his past or future lives. And then text 50, which we're going to talk about. Above the five senses of perception, which are those? Eyes, ears. Oh. What else? Eyes, nose, touch. Okay. And the five working senses, what are those? Hands, legs, anus, genitals, and tongue again. And the five objects of the senses? Touch, smell, hear, Taste. So, so above them is the mind, which is the 16th element. Above the mind is the 17th element, the soul, the living being himself, who in cooperation with the other 16 enjoys the material world alone. The living being enjoys three kinds of situations, namely happy, distressful, and mixed. So just like uh, since we've studied this in the second canto, what is... Uh, what are the additional elements to get up to 24 or 25? What's missing from this list? Mahatattva is missing too. Pradhan is missing. Earth, water, fire. Yes. Earth, water, fire. Very good. Okay. Good. Excellent. Excellent. And the contaminated consciousness. Chitta. Chitta. Yes. Chitta. Chitta. Yeah. Prabhupada writes, one tries, and this is just... Um, so clear. One tries to enjoy the five sense objects, right? Those were the uh, form, sound, taste, aroma, and touch. Don't we do that? Not knowing the actual goal of life, which is to satisfy the Supreme Lord. Because of disobeying the Supreme Lord, one is put into material conditions. And he then tries to improve his situation in a concocted way. Somebody look up the word concocted, please. In a concocted way, not desiring to follow the instructions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So don't we do this? We, we, we try to enjoy the five sense objects, form, sound, taste, aroma, and touch. Not knowing that what we should really be doing is trying to satisfy Krishna. So I think we can examine our lives and see what we're doing. Um, I I was hesitant. I'm hesitant to say this, but I think maybe you know I have to decide whether it's beneficial or whether it's boasting. When you perform austerities, you're never supposed to boast about them. Um, and this wasn't any great austerity or anything like that. But in the past uh, seven days, I've been on a on a juice fast, just uh, just drinking juices, and uh, under the able guidance of. Uh, uh, Anurada Devi, who's like, you know, the uh, healthcare queen, right? <laughs> right, Mama Antropo? Yes, yeah. uh, and, and so it's not for some great, you know, thing. I just kind of read this purport last week and said, gosh, all I do is try to enjoy my senses all the time. So let me at least take away one of them and see what it's like. <laughs> take away the, one, the taste one. 
And it's been uh, just kind of an inspiration that I just saw how, especially in, during COVID-19, working from home and being, you know, 10 seconds away from the kitchen. You know, when you're at work, it's not like, when I'm at work, it's not like that in the office. And, and so just whenever the tongue just decides to tell the mind, hey, gratify me, you just get out of my chair and go to the refrigerator or whatever, you know. <laughs> um, and so I just thought, well, I, I should try to do something about that. And so I, that's just, I just, I think that's the, if I, you know, it wasn't so much for health or anything like that. It was for that purpose. And, and, you know, I, I don't know if it's how deep the realization is and we all know it can go away after you stop, you know, fasting and then have a tub of ice cream every day. Uh, but, but, but there is something there that, you know, the experience does leave an impression that you can't, that, that you, that, what I'm hoping is, and I, and I hope I get this realization that you can say no to the uh, pushings of the senses and the mind. That, that's what I hope. I mean, I, I, I have a little experience of that because, because, you know, naturally I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get something to eat. Oh, I can't do that. I'm fasting. <laughs> uh, and, and then you just say, you accept, you accept it because that's what you're doing. And I think there is something to be said for, although our process is bhakti, uh, there's something to be said for sometimes trying to minimize the urges um, and, and getting the realization that I'm really, maybe getting a little bit of the realization I'm not this body um, and I don't have to succumb to every time, you know, the mind wants to think something and the ears want to hear something and the nose wants to smell something and this. And the tongue wants, especially the tongue, right? Because that's the the biggest one, um, uh, controlling the the jiva, right? By tasting only prasadam and chanting Hare Krishna. So that is our challenge. Our challenge is that Krishna helps us through bhakti, but that doesn't mean we can't, in a devotional way, for Krishna's pleasure, sometimes perform some tapasya. So before I go on to the other part of the purport, any thoughts on that? Or maybe your own experiences with performing some tapasya. Andy, did you behind it? Well, you asked to look up concoct. Oh, yeah, please. It's actually very interesting. I was surprised. It just means to cook. It wholly means to cook, right? Really? Yeah. And then they give the uh, synonyms, right? And this is hilarious. So next time you're watching a politician or something, they say prepare, make, put together, assemble, Fix, rustle up. So it's like uh, if a politician is trying to answer something, you know it's challenging. What's he going to rustle up? <laughs> and he's trying to cover up something. Yeah. He's going he's to rustle up something, uh, put some words together. So that's what concoct is. Yeah. Very good. Thank you. Yeah, so you're cooking something up, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's like you know, somebody asks the politician, uh, so what is, your, what is your thoughts on the uh, tax deferment? And, and the politician says, you know, there comes a time when you have to stick up for America. Yeah. Next question. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the third rail, taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't touch that. Yeah. Other thoughts on this idea of, uh, thank you, but uh, uh, thoughts on this idea of of uh, sometimes minimizing or trying to um, not give in to some of the urges of, of the senses and the mind. 
Can I say one more thing? Sure, Andy. In, in terms of not giving in, I I just had this realization. You want to stay light, right? So if you if you give into those urgings, you like burden yourself, mm-hmm. and you can't be. It's harder to be spiritual. I I just kind of realized that. Yeah. Keep yourself un unyoked from that. Yes. And and we need that. Of course, again, the main point is param just for the higher taste. Um, yet there are, you know, actually we just studied that verse, tapasya brahmacharjena samena cha damena cha, which is describing the jnani, not the bhakta. So our, so the, the, even for Akadasi, Prabhupada would say that, you know, yes, it's great to, uh, to do near jalakadasi, no, don't, don't eat anything and don't drink water. But if you're, if you're just thinking about your body all day or you're too weak to do service, you know, so, but the real thing is, that by not eating, you have more time for hearing and chanting. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes, uh, Jivita Prabhu. So again, this is a true test of our tolerance, right? Tolerance sometimes misunderstood. Someone doesn't have things and they're saying, I'm tolerating it. Well, tolerance in reality is when you have everything, then you decide when you are actually in control or in power or in a position Yet at the same time, you control your senses. And one of the best ways to engage in devotional service because uh, an idle mind is devil's workshop. You know, yes. senses are too strong. So unless we engage them in the right, uh, you know, purpose, That's the point. they will engage us in the wrong purpose. <laughs> That's the point, to engage the senses, yes. Thank you. Rishikena, Rishikesha, Sevanam Bhakti, which say, to engage the senses in the service of the master of the senses. Now let's let's look at another statement in these purports. Um, the living entity this is just a few sentences later. The living entity has a body, which is very a very complicated combination of the material elements. Right? Our body is a very complicated combination, and with this body he struggles alone, as indicated in this verse by the words "ekastu." For example, if one is struggling in the ocean, he must swim through it alone. Although many other men and aquatics are swimming in the ocean, he must take care of himself because no one else will help him. Therefore, this verse indicates that the 17th item, the soul, must work alone. Although he tries to create society, friendship, and love, no one uh, will be able to help him but Krishna, the Supreme Lord. Now, we know elsewhere that it's Krishna and Krishna's devotees. And we, we know that the Chaitanya Charitamrita says that the root of bhakti is sadhusanga. So we know that Prabhupada's not making that point here. He's, he, but he is fixing on this word ekastu. And, and we have this relationship with Krishna. And it's very interesting, I thought, that he quotes uh, society, friendship, and love. Because that is, oh, I, I didn't get the, uh, that is from a poem. Anyone know that poem? Uh, I'm just typing in friendship and love. And it is um, about this uh, Alexander Shelkirk. Do you know that? Anyone know that? Uh, it's a poem, uh, The Solitude of Alexander Shelkirk by uh, William Cop- 
quote for it. And Prabhupada got two sayings that he would quote a lot from this one poem. I'll share it with you. Why not? Or, uh, hold on a second. When I haven't been checking the chat lately, my apologies. There's uh, some nice things in the chat there. But let me share my screen. Can you see that? So we've heard this. We've heard Prabhupada quote this first line many times, right? Uh, so what the story is, Alexander Shelk, I won't get into the whole story. We don't need to bore you with all the details. Uh, he was a, uh, he used to, um, he worked on ships uh, many years ago. I mean, hundreds of years ago. And actually, I'll just read one thing that Prabhupada says about this poem. One Vaishnava poet, and he's probably maybe calling him a poet, uh, couple or Vaishnava, has sung so, no, he's quoting a Vaishnava poet, has sung so nicely that this material world is just like a desert. And to cover the desert, oceans of water are required. But if somebody tries to water the desert, well, actually, let me uh, share this statement from Prabhupada first. But if somebody tries to water the desert of our heart with such seemingly water, namely the association which was aspired by Mr. Alexander Shelkirk, uh, I think you have this poet, poetry, an English poetry, which we read in our childhood in India, that one Mr. Alexander Shelkirk, he was lamenting. He was thrown in isolated island. This was for more than four years. That society, friendship, and love divinely bestowed upon man. So he was lamenting that he was missing society, friendship, and love. This is, of course, true. One Vaishnava poet has sung... Oh, and I just, I quoted it twice, sorry. So Prabhupada is referring to this poem. I love when Prabhupada refers to uh, Longfellow or something like that. And the first thing, I am the Lord, I am the monarch of all I survey. Prabhupada quotes that. Uh, so he's living, because he's living on this island by himself. He is, so he, yes, he is the... He's the king and also the servant. My right is there. Uh, my right there is none to dispute. For the center, uh, all around to the sea, I am Lord of the fowl and the brute. And so, where is society? I'll just. Where do you see society, friendship, and love? Is that at the end? Where is it? I know it's in. Oh, there it is. Society, friendship, and love divinely bestowed upon man. Oh, have the wings of a, oh, had I the wings of a dove, how soon would I taste you again? So Prabhupada just thought that was so interesting that he's, he's hankering for those relationships. He's on this secluded island, right? In solitude, in solitude. And oh, if I could only have association again, society, friendship, and love. Instead of hankering for, for Krishna. So um, I thought of that where Prabhupada quotes society, friendship, and love, and here he's talking about being <laughs> of of uh, being on your own, swimming alone, things like that. So there, there's that point that you know he's Prabhupada is making that our relationship with Krishna is our is our anchor, and not the falsities of so-called society, friendship, and love. And we also know elsewhere that Prabhupada, of course, is emphasizing Sadhu Sangha. Any thoughts on that? 
You know, it's amazing how um, Prabhupada was moved so deeply by a poem that he read in his youth, obviously, when he was in English-speaking school. And uh, it kind of gives you a window on what kind of a person he was back then or, you know. Yes. Something. I And he's following the footsteps of Bhaktivinoda Thakur, who took a poem by Longfellow and transformed it into uh, Vaishnavism. If you put the two poems side by side, you see how he has done this. And then that's the uh, O Sahagrahi Vaishnava. That poem is actually a uh, transformation of a poem by Longfellow. Yes, and probably would sometimes quote Shakespeare as well. The value of a good education, you know. The value of a good Scottish education, yes. <laughs> Other thoughts? Okay, I think we have time at least for one more, uh, if not more. So let's, so we're moving on to, oh, we're only going, we're not going far, uh, 53. So 51, the subtle body is endowed with 16 parts. Did we just do this? So this is similar to the last verse. Uh, the five knowledge acquiring senses, the five working senses, the five objects of sense gratification, and the mind. This subtle body is an effect of the three modes of material nature. It is composed of insurmountably strong desires and therefore it causes the living entity to transmigrate from one body to another in human life, animal life, and life as a demigod. When the living entity gets the body of a demigod, he is certainly very jubilant. When he gets a body, when he gets a human body, he is always in lamentation. And when he gets the body of an animal, he is always afraid. In all conditions, however, he is actually miserable. This, his miserable condition is called samsriti, or transmigration in material life. The foolish embodied living entities in depth at controlling his senses and mind is forced to act according to the influence of the modes of material nature against his desire. He is like a silkworm that uses its own saliva to create a cocoon and then becomes trapped in it with no possibility of getting out. The living entity traps himself in a network of his own fruitive activities and then can find no way to release himself. Thus he is always bewildered and repeatedly he dies. Not a single living entity can remain unengaged even for a moment. One must act by his natural tendency. According to the three modes of material nature, because the natural tendency this natural tendency forcibly makes him work in a particular way. Prabhupada writes that one swabhava, or natural tendency, is the most important factor in action. One's natural tendency is to serve, to, is to serve because a living entity is an eternal servant of God. The living entity wants to serve, but because of his forgetfulness of his relationship with the Supreme Lord, he serves under the modes of material nature, and manufactures various modes of service. Then he gives three examples, such as socialism or whatever the government is doing in the country they live, humanitarianism and altruism. And of course, he may serve his selfishness. However, one should be enlightened in the tenets of Bhagavad Gita and accept the instructions of the Supreme Personality of Godhead that one give up all natural tendencies for material service 
under different names and take to the service of the Lord. So that's our natural tendency is to serve and it's become perverted in the way we're serving now. But serve we must. And it's tricky because we're trying, well, most people in this world, we know we're trying to, uh, as we heard, the monarch of all we survey. <laughs> and service is, it's an interesting word because it has a connotation in America that's somewhat positive. Although if you're in the service industry, you something, oh, really? That means you're, uh, you, you work at McDonald's, you know, or whatever. Um, in India, the idea of a servant is not considered so uh, aspirational, right? People think of servants they have at home, someone who cooks. The driver is a servant, you know, for relatively well-to-do people and things like that. Um, but then again, to serve the supreme, that's on a different level. And so that's the highest, even if someone may think that it's lowest in this world. It's the highest. So I just thought I'd highlight that point about, we, we know this, we've heard it from Prabhupada before, from the Shastra before, that this idea of service is part of our innate nature. So it's so really, the only question is, who are you going to serve? Some thoughts on that? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes. So here means this extensive response is coming from Yamdutas. They are kind of like showing that they, what they have learned from their master Yamraj. Yet at the same time, you know, they're also revealing that what they have learned is only one side of the coin. They haven't seen the other side of the coin because Yamraj never sent them to get any devotees or any other kind of living entities, only human beings. And all the human beings, because of the fruitive activities, this is what they observe, this is what they realize, and so they are sharing. And this is the first time when the Amraj has sent, and Ajamil was not yet purified of all his sins. When they came to see Ajamil, that's when Ajamil called out Narayan, Narayan actually cleansing himself completely of all the sinful reactions, and Yamdutas appeared as a cause. Right? Correct. Very so, nice. Yeah, and they had never been in that situation. So, and Yamraj also would reveal similarly that, you know, devotees never approach a devotee because it's dangerous. So they were dangerous. happy to not be harmed, you know, by the Vishnu Dutas and they were rightly questioned. They responded. Hare Krishna. Thank you. I'm trying, I'm trying to decide what to do. We have six minutes left. Um, and the next purport is all about uh, the craziness of this world and trying to remain a brahmachari or even a brahmachari grihasta. I think that uh, we'll leave that for next week. So let's just finish this purport. It's, it's wonderful. One's original natural tendency. So it's so interesting. So in the previous sentence, Prabhupada said, however, one should be enlightened uh, and to give up one's natural tendencies for material service. Okay. Then the next verse, he says, one's original natural tendencies is to act in Krishna consciousness because one's real nature is spiritual. So isn't that, that is highlighting the challenge that we have. We become habituated to a certain kind of natural tendency and we think it's natural, even though it's totally superfluous, not super wrong word. It's, it's not 
part of our innate nature. And our innate nature, which is our real natural tendency to serve God, is in its uh, infancy. <laughs> so we don't see it yet as natural, although it is. And therefore we have Vaidhi Bhakti, where we, even if, you know, we like or dislike it, we don't get into that whole thing. Is it, oh, is this my natural tendency or not? No, we, we follow the instructions of Guru and Krishna. The duty of a human being is to understand that since he is essentially spirit, he must abide by the spiritual tendency and not be carried away by the material tendency. So this word carried away comes up here and then in the translation to this song. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur has therefore son, Miche Maya Var Maya Yara Vase Kachi Beshe. I'm so bad at Bengali sometimes. Kacha Habudu Bai. My dear brothers, you are being carried away by the waves of material energy. Carried away. Just think of being carried away by a wave and are suffering in so many miserable conditions. Sometimes you are drowning in the waves of material nature, and sometimes you are tossed like a swimmer struggling in the ocean. As confirmed by Bhaktivinoda Thakur, this tendency to be battered, another power, Prabhupada uses these very graphic words, to be battered by the waves of maya can be changed to one's, or there's that word again, original natural tendency, which is spiritual when the living entity comes to understand that he is eternally Krishna Das, a servant of God, Krishna, Jiva Krishna Das E Vishwash Karle Ta'ar Dukunai. If instead of serving Maya under different names, one turns his service attitude towards the Supreme Lord, he is then safe and there's no more difficulty. Wouldn't that be nice to be safe and have no more difficulty? We have that within us. If one returns to his original natural tendency, again, the word natural, in the human form of life by understanding the perfect knowledge given by Lord Krishna, by Krishna himself in the Vedic literature, one's life is successful. So Prabhupada so much picked up on, because the word natural tendency comes up in the translation. So he, he acknowledged the natural tendency under the modes of material nature, and then he said, then he clarified our real natural tendency. So you could say on one hand, the whole process of Krishna consciousness is the process of going from our fake natural tendency to our real natural tendency. That's one way to describe the entire process. So some last thoughts on natural tendencies. Mantra, you look like you want to say something. Yes, Prabhu. Um, once we understand and accept natural tendency is service, it's very happy, Prabhu. But to come to that stage, like mind puts so much resistance. Uh, but when someone engages in you know, practically in, in the service and the reciprocation uh, is very sweet, Yes. And then we'll be allowed to do that and, and as if it is our nature, innate nature. Yeah. Nice, nice. And uh, His Holiness Sachin Swami says that in that progress to our natural tendency, 
we'll all be faced with some, what he called the soul issue, S-O-U-L. Um, and we'll be faced with this roadblock that we have to uh, take on. And it might bring a bit of the dark night of the soul to us, but we have to go through that challenge. And there may be more than one, of course, yeah. um, to get to a natural tendency. And we'll all be faced with some serious, serious challenges in our life that we uh, need, of course, Vaishnava to help and to deal with with great sincerity to get there. Yes. But we can get there. And Krishna is all-powerful, so he will help us. So let us uh, stop now. And we have two more verses to do in this chapter. And I will send out some reading for the next chapters, uh, verses to read, purports to read. And I hope you all have a really wonderful Krishna Conscious Week. And we will see you soon. Thank you very much. Hare